All right, again, thank you for being here. Those games were great, okay? You have the kids that take off, and then you have the kids that stand there and just stare, right? How many of you are related to one of those kids that sit there? <clears throat> Last year, we had Asher. Asher thought he was a brick. He did not move one inch, so we know how that works. The glaring lights, and they get afraid, but those, that was great. I know that we are super late in getting started this morning, and, uh, and so what I'll do is I'll just go a lot longer to compensate for that, right? Uh, by the way, you are lucky. Number one, I don't think you have to go a long time to get the message through anyhow. Uh, amen. I wanted to go for an hour today. No, you, I just don't think you have to. And secondly, we can't stay a long time even if I wanted to because the Spanish are coming in and they need the parking lot. So, uh, so feel comfortable. We will not be long. But if you'll listen, I will go a little bit faster because we did get a little bit late start this morning. And I'm thrilled at all the children that were here. That's just incredible. And all the nursery children walking through. And so it's a blessing to have all of them in the church. <clears throat> but I want to share a thought with you. We'll go through it this morning and I hope that, that <coughs> it's helpful in your, in your life. I mention often that, and I talked about it a little bit on Thursday, <clears throat> where your life is is going to be dependent on the decisions that you make. <clears throat> and sometimes we don't understand um, the importance behind a, a singular decision. We don't look at how it's going to play out as it goes down, down the line. And we take them for granted. Think, think of marriage, okay? Uh, it starts with a question. Will you marry me? And in that moment, you're looking at it and like, oh, everything's wonderful. This is great. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. I will. No, I will's first. And then later on is I do. But think about what's all involved with that decision. It's not just some emotional, she's pretty, he's handsome, yeah, 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 all that stuff. You're making a decision to be with that one person for the rest of your lives. You're turning your back on the single life, being alone, having a single schedule, by the way, or at least you should. Let me throw that out there. Some of you get married and you think you're still single. You need to grow up. That's a message for another day. Sorry about that. That leaked out. You're turning your back on a life that up until that moment reflected or revolved around you a little bit more because you didn't have any other responsibilities. You didn't have anything, anybody within your sphere there. You're going to start now seeing life from the perspective of not just how the decisions and what you do affects you, but how it affects the person you married. And by the way, it should. If you're, if you're married, and again, I'm sorry. If you're married and you just think about your decision, well, it's my life, it's blah, blah, blah. No, it's not. You should think that through. You're going to sacrifice things for the strength of your marriage. And then, by the way, <coughs> marriage typically leads to brand new family members, children. That's another level, by the way. That's another level of sacrifice. That's another level of the motivation and energy your life ought to be, ought to be uh, invested in and built around your family. You got a whole new schedule. You say, how does that work up? Wait till you bring the baby home from the hospital, right? By the way, forgot to know, Jazz just had her baby this morning at, I think, five in the morning. She got it right this time. She had a little boy. Let's give her a hand. Just she had, 
one boy and three girls before, am I right? So now it's three to two, so now they need to catch up. They need another one soon. So. But when they bring that baby home long about two in the morning, they're going to realize schedule change, okay? And uh, it's reality. But think about that. All these different changes in your life, by the way, minivan, are you with me? We couldn't even use a minivan. We had so many children, we had to get a, a we had a 15-passenger van. My wife thought it was her responsibility between us to personally fill that thing. And uh, so she just likes big cars, by the way. She, when she runs over people, it works out better. But, um, but <clears throat> you know, all of that, everything that now, by the way, if you live long enough and you do right and uh, you get the kids out of the house, the best thing happens, grandchildren, okay? They're, they're way better than children, way better. And when they're bad, you just send them home, okay? Um, but... All of that was involved in one decision. Will you marry me? So that's how life is. <clears throat> now I want to look at it this morning from a spiritual direction. Each of the four Gospels we understand represent Jesus Christ in a different way. Matthew represents him as the king, his authority. In Mark, he is represented as the, the Son of Man. That is his humanity. And in John, he is represented as the Son of God. Of course, that is his deity. In Mark, he is represented as a servant, talking about his humility. Mark focuses a lot on, on the actions of Jesus. So you're going to learn a lot of the stories. It goes through a lot of the stories. They all do, typically, but Mark focuses a little bit more on that because that's what Jesus did. He was a servant. He came to this earth to serve and <coughs> to give his life for mankind. And so as we get into chapter 1, this is the beginning of Christ, and he is calling and preparing his men because Jesus ultimate mission was to die for the sins of the world, but there was a secondary mission after that to get the gospel, get the truth of what he just did out to this world. And so he trained a group of men so that when he left, they would go out and make a difference and get the gospel started in this world. And by the way, read the book of Acts. They were very successful at that. They did it and fulfilled their purpose. But here he is now calling his men and getting started, and this is where we come out today. And so it begins with an invitation. It starts with Peter and Andrew, verse 17. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become <coughs> fishers of men. By the way, they had already met Christ earlier. Andrew had met him first and, and uh, 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 trusted in Christ. And then he went and got his brother, Simon Peter, and brought him. And Peter gets saved. And now he's like, okay, there's more to it. I got something else for you here. I want you to follow me. And then a few verses later, verse 20, he goes to James and John. And straightway he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the ship with his hired servants and went after them. And so Jesus is getting these men that are going to live with him. He is going to train them. And once he's gone, they will take the gospel to the world. But Jesus still wants followers today. Jesus still has something that needs to be done today. Jesus still wants people that will be 100% on board with what he is doing and follow him wholeheartedly. But let's look back to our illustration of marriage and family. He offered an invitation, come. That's a big decision. That's an answer we're supposed to give. That's a question we're supposed to give, or I'm sorry, an invitation we're supposed to give an answer to. He wants us 
And by the way, our decision should be informed. Too many people are haphazard, right? <coughs> had someone <coughs> my office years ago, and <coughs> they were start. There was really many years ago. It's like we're struggling in this marriage, and I knew we shouldn't have got married. And uh, uh, you know, I, I only knew her for a couple months, and and she got pregnant. And we got married. She's the wrong one. I'm like, brother, look at your hand. What's that? Wedding ring. She's the right one. Okay. Just work it out. But always look at, look, we make quick decisions. But this is a good decision. There's a lot involved with it that we do not understand. Most of us spiritually, going back to the marriage illustration, we would rather be like the, the, the couple living together. They want to have the benefits, allegedly, of a relationship without the responsibilities of the relationship. We're okay with Jesus part-time, but we just don't want to have the responsibilities that he laid on us. That, that didn't go over very well. Ship's taking water here. Okay. Or, like the couple that they get married, but even after they're married, they still say, here's a back door. If things aren't working out. That's not what Jesus wants. Jesus wants people to respond to the invitation and say yes. But if we're going to say yes, what's involved in that decision? Let me give you, I believe I have six thoughts. You're like, six thoughts? It's 124. No, no, they're going to be fast, okay? No, let's not do the, the spiritual math here. First of all, first thing that's involved in it, we have to move. Jesus said unto, that, unto him, what are those two words in verse 17? Come ye. Come. You know what we want to do? <coughs> we want to say, all right, Jesus, I'm in. I'm here. You come here. Right? You ever tell your kids, come here. And they just stare at you like you want to go get them. And by the way, most of you give in to that. And that's, that's, it's like, come here. Dad's not playing. Come here. I'm talking to you, and I'm going to talk to you here. That, you know what that means? You have to move from there to here. You have to move. You want to make a decision and respond to Christ's invitation, you have to be willing to move. You're not going to follow Jesus and just be where you are. You're not going to follow Jesus without any movement whatsoever. If I'm going to, and by the way, again, I, just, I don't like the term we use, I'm a follower of Christ. What? We're Christians. Afterward, we're called Christians. I'm a Christ follower. No, you're a Christian. That's what the Bible calls it. Now, after you're a Christian, you ought to be a Christ follower. But you have to respond to the invitation. We have to be willing to move. That means we're going to be at a different place we weren't before. And if you have served Jesus for any amount of time and you've had any amount of seriousness to it, you'll look back at your life and it's like, remember where I used to be? But I didn't get away, I didn't get to where I am now, and that will be the next point, until I was willing to get away from the place I was at. I like it. You know who Jesus' first followers were? Fishermen. Hardcore, and he picked the right guys to get started. Now, they were a little bit up and down, and they, sometimes the answers to the questions weren't right, but they were men that were all in on Christ. They had to leave. They were, they, one of them, they, the two of them, James and John, worked for their father, Peter and his brother. They had a business. You know, you wonder, like, isn't it great to have your own business working with your family? And Jesus said, come. And they had to leave that. They had to say, this is where I'm at, but this is not the place for me 
I have to be able to move away from where I'm at. Let me ask you a question. Are you okay with where you're at right now? Most of us <coughs> were satisfied with just being average. As long as we have the average Christian life, as long as we have the average marriage, the average family, the average just everything, that's not what Jesus wants. He wants you to get away from that. You, ask, I, I, you can ask people all the time, like, how, just you and me, tell me how your life's going. And they'll say, you know, I just, it, it's, it's not what I really want it to be, and, and everything's just not, you know, exactly right, and, and I wish it were different. It's like, are you willing to do something about it? And most of them won't. They want it to change. They want God to do something, and they're not willing to leave any place there where they're at. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So you want to move, you've got to leave that place where you are at because that is a place from where, where Jesus wasn't working. Jesus was only going to work in those men's life if they were willing to get up and take a step. Are you willing to take a step? See, oh, in the, oh Jesus said come, like, okay, Jesus, I'll come, and then you stick where you are. It doesn't work that way. You're going to get to the good stuff. You've got to be willing to move. But it's also a commitment to motion. He says, come after me. Once the decision is made to move, you've got to stay in motion. If they were going to be with Jesus, wherever Jesus went, that is where they needed to be. And they traveled for three years with him, all over the place, learning from him and listening to him and seeing everything he did and having him work in their life. And, and sometimes he rebuked them because they said and did the wrong thing. And other times he encouraged them. And other times he told them what was coming. And other times he told them what they were supposed to do. But they had to go with him for those three years. There was motion. Motion. That means we're going to go a different direction. My life completely turned when I said, Christ, I'm following you. I'm coming after you. I'm not satisfied with just being saved. I'm going to go for it. The direction of my life completely changed. You say, well, pastor, I'm following Jesus, but my life's not, my direction's not changed. Let me say this as, as nicely as I can. Can I say it nice? I even have a smile on my face. You're not following him. Unless, you know, before you followed Christ, you were perfect, which none of us are. The direction. What direction is your life headed? If it's kind of headed in the same direction where Jesus is going, you're on the right track. Keep it up. Keep going. We're going a different direction because we're going where Jesus is going. There's a song, a hymn. If Jesus <coughs> goes with me, I'll go anywhere. That's not a hunt. I get what they're saying, and the point is true, but I don't like the verbiage. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. And I'm probably nitpicking. Probably the second verse is better. I didn't think it through, Brother Rob. How about this? I'll go anywhere where Jesus is going. I'll go anywhere he wants me to go. And I think that's what the song is saying, and I'm not trying to nitpick. But uh, it just fit the message, so we ran with it, okay? But that's the point. See, that's what we want. Lord, I'm going to go my own direction. I'm going to do my own thing. And what I want is for you to come with me. 
You know, Jesus is a really great driver, but he's not supposed to be the passenger. Right? But by the way, he's with us at all times. That's not what I'm, I'm not trying to belittle that. But I'm saying, why, we should let him lead us. Right? And so, let's be very, so we got to take some motion. You say, how do I know where Jesus wants me to go? Simple answer is just look in the Bible. It tells you everywhere. Everywhere the, everything the Bible tells you to do, if you do it, that's what Jesus wants. Thirdly, it's also, if we're going to answer the question, it's a, it's, a, it's a decision to molding. Look at verse 17 again. And I will, what? Make you. Thank God he's making me. Because I did a really bad job of trying to make myself. Come on now. So I'm a self-made man. Let me back away from that. You know, I don't want to be a self-made man because I'm not really good at, you know, look, I know when I put stuff together, I don't like to read the directions. And you get done, it's like, look, I have extra pieces. And it's like, this stupid thing won't work. It's like, I know, because I, I, look, I can't figure out the basic things. They have these things. You guys know these Stanley Cup things? For most hockey teams, that's the only Stanley Cup they'll ever get. But anyhow, uh, and, and so, so I, went, I was out golfing, and my daughter had a big one. Take this, it has water. And I'm like, this stupid thing doesn't work. The water doesn't come out. It's air and bubbles. And then they bought me one. So I took, next time I went out golfing, I'm with my son. I, I took it with me, and I'm like, we're in the car. I'm like, this dumb thing doesn't work. It's just like Emily's. And, and my son, Jack, you know, as calmly as he could, looked at me and goes, you know, Dad, that thing works on the principle of a straw. If you turn it like this, like you're doing, it's not going to work. And I'm like, like, this thing works great. <laughs> so, so Steve doesn't always get it, neither do you. <coughs> but we, if, and I think this is a sticking point with a lot of person. They're, they're afraid to let God mold them. And I can tell you this. It's the best thing that you could ever do. He's going to make you exactly, you may not understand it, but as you follow him and you let him do that, you get to a place like, wow, I like it here. You become a better person in everything you're doing. You know why? Because he's making you that. You'll be a different person. All of us have weaknesses. All of us experience setbacks. We all fall short. We all need changing. Jesus does that. Do you imagine what Jesus can just do if we allow him? He wants to do more to you than than ever. We can tell our commitment level to Christ or the direction we are going towards that and how much is he changing me? How much is he working on me? Do I ever hear something or read something and say, you know what, I, I, I need to work on that? It's a bad place not to be there. Now, it's baby dedication. I do want to mention this. We're going to dedicate the young ones. <laughs> but the best way to dedicate these young ones so that God is a part of their life, I'm going to tell you the best way for that to happen, is for God to be a part of the parent's life. You know, sometimes I've met people in the past like, look, I, want, I don't like the direction. I don't like exactly what's going on with my children, but, but I want God to kind of straighten them out a little bit. And so, you know, church is a good thing. And, and, and you know, they come to our church. I'll put them in the school or whatever. And, and that, that's helpful. But you know the best thing that will help that child? Let God work in your life. Let them, look, it's, it's I, I know when we were kids, come on. Pastor Esposito, our families, we lived in apartments, and we'd sit there, and the parents were all in the back, and they're playing cards and drinking and smoking, like, oh, no, you kids don't do that. 
Well, they were around that corner doing it. We were around the other corner doing it. Do as I say, you know, not as I do, doesn't work. Right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. The, the children don't need to see perfection because none of us are perfect. They just need to see parents that are like, I love Christ. I'm doing my best. I'm trying to go in the right, right direction. And God's working in my life. That's how God works in their life. Next, to a movement. It's a, it's a, it's a call to a movement. <coughs> well, <coughs> now, he works in our life, but the primary thing he wants to work is to become fishers of men. See, these last couple now, we're moving out of basic Christianity, we're moving into hardcore Christianity, right? When I was in college, you had to do English. If you didn't pass the English exam, which I didn't, I had to take non-credit. They called it bonehead English, right? But once I got through bonehead non-credit English, took me three classes. Three classes, it was really good. I enjoyed that. And then 101, and then 102. Now, Believe it or not, I got through 101 in one time. Took me twice to get through 102, okay? Uh, not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But, but that's, there was a higher level. Higher level Christianity now, he's moving out of what's for us for what we do for him. See? God doesn't want to just work at you so you're some kind of trophy. You're just some kind of, you know, nice-looking piece of furniture. He has something he wants you to do. And he said, hey, by the way, there was a movement afoot, the movement of the gospel, the movement of Christ, the Messiah who had come, and now it was to get it out to the world. And by the way, these guys got in on it. You see in Acts, it says, hey, these that have changed the world upside down have come. Men who hazarded their lives. And my favorite is the one where they said, we are hearing about this guy so many times, they're pest." I like that. They're like, man, everywhere you go, these people and the people they reach are talking about Jesus. That I can't think of anything better to talk about. When we're with his movement, we have a different purpose in life. Yes, we have our bills to pay. Yes, we have our responsibilities to take care of. But we also are vested in what he wants us to do is to get the gospel to this world starting in our city. Say, Pastor, why do you, why do you have Friend Day? You, just, you, you like the color of the contracts? No, I, I think they're messy. Although, you, now let's take a look back there at the Filipino class. That is perfectly straight and symmetrical. It's because we're the best class in the church. But anyhow, <laughs> the teens, the teens had like a cross. I'm like, go clean that up. That's making me sick. But those represent people we're trying to get to church. Those represent people in our community. Those represent people that we, uh, that we uh, 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 come in contact with every single day. Listen, I want to reach everybody. That didn't go well. I want to reach everybody. Okay? I love the deaf ministry. I'm waiting for the day they come and say, I want that whole section. And I'm going to say, let's take an offering. Just kidding. I, uh, the, uh, I love the, our wheelchair folks. It's like, I want a bigger wall. You guys can have the whole bottom floor if you fill it up, okay? We're going to these homes. And we're, and Lord willing, we want to start a Vietnamese class. We have, come here, the Spanish. I want the Spanish to say, you're in our way. And then I could say, deal with it, okay? Why? You say, Pastor, when are we going to stop? I'll tell you when we're going to stop. When everybody says, we're all saved. Yeah. Say, when's it going to happen? Never. Yeah. It's a movement. 
And so I have, to, I have to be on purpose with what Jesus says. Not just that. Boy, we're doing really good. To a mandate. What does that mean? Look at verse 16. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. Now, I want you to understand this and <coughs> think with me. What do you mean mandate, Pastor? Jesus asked them to come to him, but the fact of the matter is, whenever he asks us something, it's kind of a command, right? He wants us to want to do it. Don't get me wrong. But whatever Jesus wants, he ought to get it. And they didn't see this as, yes, this is the guy I met earlier, and I believe he's the Messiah. Now it's different. He's saying, hey, why don't you come? And if they're going to make that life-altering decision, they understood that, you know what? That's what he wants. And if he wants it, I have an option to say no. But really, who wants to say no to Jesus? I don't. Say, Pastor, have you ever said no? Let's move on. But I shouldn't. So it's a mandate. And he'll help us in every single way. And then lastly, look at this. <clears throat> I'm proud of myself. To ministry. Look at verse 21. And they went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. You know the next thing that happened? They're on the road with Christ. They're out serving now. They're out doing this, doing that, and doing that. That's high-level Christianity there. When church isn't just what I get out of church, although come to get something out of church, don't get me wrong. But when you come and say, not only do I want to get something out of church, I want to I, I put something into it. Right? Yep. A lot of times, you know what? What we get out of church is based on what we're putting into it. And you know, I got more out of church when I started putting more of my energy to serving in the church. I heard a story many, many years ago. So, you know, a preacher, uh, he, was, he, was, he went to a church. And they, they asked him to preach. The pastor was away. And uh, this is old, old time. So he walks into this building. <coughs> he's going to preach. And there was a little box in the back, an offering box in the back. And he thought, well, you know, this is probably for the poor. So he put five bucks in, which was a lot back then. He got done preaching. And afterwards, um, the, the person that was hosting him took him and said, hey, this is our offering box for our visiting speakers. Whatever in, they know to put money in there for the speaker. And he goes, hey, you know, so let's see what they gave. He opened it up. He goes, wow, you must have been good. They gave you $5. So he goes home and he's with his family and he's eating. And he's like, honey, I went to the church. He told him the story and said, I put five bucks in and guess what I got? Five bucks. And his son looked at him and said, dad. You should have put more in. If you put more in, you would have got more out. Okay? Now, that's not what we're talking about here. But you know, like anything, man, the more I serve God, the more I love it. The more I'm involved in the church, the more I get out of it. You say, well, pastor, you're the pastor. You, 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 know, you have to serve in the church. Listen, I guarantee you, if I, didn't, if I wasn't the pastor of the church and I was a member, I'd be serving. I miss driving the shuttle, but I teach the best Sunday school class in the world now, so I can't drive the shuttle anymore. I love driving the shuttle. Why? I like talking to you, and I like to see who wasn't parking off-site. That's why. I drive by and see, hey, that, that one's in my family. I drive by slowly and say, roll the window down. How you doing? I'll see you at Blue Line in a minute. 
Okay? But I just like serving. I like being around God's people. I like doing things for God. And he said, look, that's what they're going to do. They weren't following him to say, hey, you're with the Jesus show. They were there to serve. Amen. You say, Pastor, <coughs> this is a, 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 lot of, a, lot of, a lot of stuff here involved. I know. Serving Jesus is a great decision. But understand what's involved with it. It's not just a mental thing. Okay, uh, Jesus, I'm in. I'm coming. He's like, okay. You moving? You're going to follow my direction. You're going to be with me. You're uh, you're going to serve with me. You're going to help me get the gospel to all this world. You're going to let me change you and and help you to become a, a better Christian so that you can become a better servant. That can be daunting, but I can tell you this, like marriage. And, and I'm sure I thought it through, but, but when I asked my wife to marry, I wanted to be with her. And, and, and you know what? All the stuff that came with it, I was in. Yeah. And by the way, I don't regret a second of it. No. I'd make that commitment again in a heartbeat. Has it always been perfect? No, because she's a lady. <laughs> oh, wait, no, no, I mean, because I'm a man. That, that was it, right? That's what you wrote right here. I'm sorry, my bad. Okay? But you know what? You don't regret it. <coughs> and you know what? I, I, I don't know anybody who ever was 100, sincerely 100% in on Christ that says, man, that was a bad decision. Nobody. So what are you going to do with the invitation? You're going to have to do some things if you, if you, if you say yes, but I, let me encourage you. Say yes. It's great. Let's bow our head and close our eyes for a minute. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a second, if you may. <coughs> Thank you for listening. I went a little bit fast here this morning, but that's okay. We're going to be having the, the children <coughs> dedication. <coughs> Have you thought through the decision of Jesus Christ? And by the way, let me say this. It, it, it takes a little bit, right? I was just, when I started going, I just started going to church on Sunday mornings. That's what I was doing. And then after going to church Sunday morning a little bit, I was like, you know what? I, I, think I, need to, I think I need to be a little deeper involved. The pastor preached, and I realized that it's not just taking it easy. It's, there's a commitment that Christ wants. And I remember when I made that commitment, I said, Lord, I am in. I remember that day. I remember that time. And Although I've not always been what I should be, and Jesus didn't always get what he should get, I don't regret a second of it. And I know you won't either. Now let me say this. You can't make that decision to follow Christ unless you've made the decision to trust him as your Savior. What I mean by that is this. Are you saved? Are you a Christian? Here's how you can tell. Are you 100% for sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven, or do you you have any doubt at all? You just say, you know, Pastor, I I have doubt. I'm not sure. I couldn't give you a reason why I'm going to heaven. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you were to say, Pastor, that's me. I am not 100% for sure if I were to die today, go to heaven. But you know, that's something that I I need to know, and I want to know. Pastor, would you pray for me? Just raise your hand real quick, and I'll pray for you. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? 